everybody, and welcome to the Death of Death podcast. I'm your host, Nick Stewart. I have to give you guys an update on the case of the missing patio chairs. My uh, upstairs neighbor told me that an older lady who also lives upstairs uh, told her that uh, she had been taking things from an apartment that got evicted. Well, our apartment is right next to the one that got evicted, so... You know, she kind of figured that a mistake had been made. I quickly did the math on that as well. Um, You know, we did not get evicted, obviously. We're the best tenants you could ever ask for. Uh, So I went to the lady and asked her about it, and she flat out denied it. Can you believe that? So I left politely and was just thinking to myself, like, what the heck am I going to do? Like, I didn't anticipate her just denying it. Uh, you know, there's no way either of us can prove that we own those chairs because they were a wedding gift to us and, and she just stole them. So, I mean, the police probably can't do anything and I'm just sitting there in disbelief. And then there was a knock at the door and it was the lady from upstairs and she admitted what happened and she gave the stuff back and she cried so on and so forth. Um, you know, she's still as crazy as a sack of squirrels, but at least she did the right thing. She gave us our stuff back, so that solves the case of the missing patio chairs. And I'm available for cases if you need any solved. Monocle not provided. So today, um, you know, kind of a quick episode, not, not a deep uh, theological episode, uh, although, you know, we will talk a little bit about Bible study. Uh, I just wanted to talk about journaling, you know? Uh, so get out your, your pen with the flower on the top and your little pink notebook with the name of the boy you like written all over it, and uh, let's get into this. You see, that's exactly what I don't want. I don't want you to think of journaling as something that girls do in junior high. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, I want you to think of journaling as something that everyone should do. And and most importantly, to do it in their own way, you know? Uh, A lot of people think journaling and and they think it's like, uh, Dear Diary, today my socks didn't match my skirt. And, uh, you know, so whatever. Uh, Am I passing? Does that sound like something a girl would say? Um, I'm obviously out of step with that. But uh, I think we, we've been conditioned to believe that it's a girly thing. And it can be, if that's what you want it to be. But it doesn't have to be. Maybe it's a girly thing when a girly girl does it. But it doesn't have to be that way for everyone. You know, I'm going to mention a few, you know, famous people that have been journalers. And that includes uh, General Patton and, um, you know, uh, Winston Churchill. And, you know, not, not people that I'm, you know a fan of on, like, a moral level, but, uh, you know, people that are definitely manly men and accomplished a lot in their lives, and, um, you know, they were not uh, necessarily doodling flowers and, uh, you know, talking about uh, what clothes they wore or something. So, you know, I just just want to say that up front to kind of get your, your mind adjusted to the fact that, uh, you know, journaling may not be what you think it is right off the bat. Um, and I think that's actually the heart of anyone's apprehension to get into journaling. Um, you know, it, it's not for anyone but you, you know, and that may sound self-centered, um, but, you know, we're going to talk about Bible study later, so it's not as if it's like this self-centered, man-centered thing. 
Um, but I, I feel like one of the fatal flaws with journals, especially when you're first getting into it, uh, is that it, people tend to write them as if they're going to be read one day. And that probably won't happen. So you, you're writing something that's not really for you because you're basically writing with an audience in mind. And then no one ever ends up reading it, uh, so you're essentially writing for nobody. <laughs> but if you were to write just for yourself, for your own reference, for your own edification, uh, you know, for your own progress, if you will, then uh, you know, then it would actually serve a purpose. You know, when when you uh, think of everyone who has ever written a journal, uh, you know, and how many of those journals have survived and have been published and widely read. Uh, it's a rounding error. You know, very few journals in all of history have ever been read by anyone but the people who wrote them. You know, your journal will probably not survive. It might not survive to the end of your lifetime, much less beyond that. Uh, you know, I can imagine my, you know, large stack of journals just sort of ending up in a box somewhere and then ending up at a bookstore <laughs> someplace after I'm dead. You know, I'm sure no one's even going to look through them. You know, um, you are probably writing something that no one else will ever read. But do you want them to? You know, do you actually want your private thoughts aired out for the whole world to read? You know, you might think you do, but you probably don't. Um, you know, so I just want to say up front, uh, again, just kind of a clarification to kind of orient our minds properly. As, as selfish as it might sound, you know, it is something just for you. And, and so it is kind of... Um, it is kind of hard to get people into it for that reason, because it doesn't feel like you're accomplishing a lot when you're just writing something down for yourself, you know, but, uh, but, but it does really journaling about stuff does change you in a way, you know, it, it might not be super obvious. It might not be, you know, you know, life altering, but you know, it is a general, fact that if you journal about the stuff you want to do, you're a lot more likely to end up doing those things, you know, because you're just thinking about them, you know. Um, I'll, I'll probably come back around to this point later, but, you know, if you, if you think about how you don't want to be around negative people, or you write in your journal about how you don't want to be around negative people, uh, you know, you're probably a lot less likely to make decisions that lead to you hanging around negative people, you know. You know, one of my main points here might sound desperate, but uh, I don't mean it to be. Uh, I just want to prove to you that journals aren't lame. But it's not for my sake that you believe that. Uh, it's for yours. You know, it's for your sake. Uh, as long as you think it's lame, you're not going to do it. And I believe that would be an impoverishment to you. <laughs> so, you know, um, to try to avoid any of your preconceptions of what it is, We'll get into a little bit of history. We'll talk about some famous journals and some people who have done it. Um, the oldest journal we have a record of is known as the Diary of Marur. Um, there's no chance I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, but it was written about 4,500 years ago, and it details the transportation of limestone from Tura to Giza. Uh, so you don't have to be some army general or a president or a deep philosophical thinker to write a journal. You know, this guy was probably just a servant who was just keeping track of inventory. You know, and that might not even sound like a big deal, despite the fact that it survived all of this history. 
but uh, historians believe that this limestone was being used to build the Great Pyramids. So that's an interesting and noteworthy thing at the very least, and, and even if no one had ended up reading it, this guy was still making a record of a huge historical moment. And one of the more uh, notable journals of, of ancient history is the Journal of Marcus Aurelius, um, originally titled To Myself, but it's now published and known as Meditations. Um, here's, here's what he said about his journaling habit, and this is going to be like more what we're probably going to be talking about uh, today, like how we might use this as Christians, and, and he was not a Christian, but this, I think, is a good practice, um, and and might break us out of kind of like the mindless, like perfunctory kind of diary keeping where we just sort of talk about what happened to us over the course of the day and, and just sort of list things that happened, uh, you know, without any deep thought behind it. Here, here's what Marcus Aurelius said. When the light has been removed and my wife has fallen silent, aware of this habit that's now mine, I examine my entire day and go back over what I've done and said, hiding nothing from myself, passing nothing by. And he did that in his journal. Uh, you know, and honestly, um, it might already have you thinking of this, but when I heard that, I thought of Jonathan Edwards' 41st resolution, uh, which says, to ask myself at the end of every day, week, month, and year where I could have possibly done better in any respect. Uh, a journal, you know, doesn't have to be the mere details of what happened to you that day. You know, it can be an opportunity to reflect on where you may have failed and how you can do better later. And that's not, you know, meant to be some self-improvement, you know, uh, self-righteousness, self-salvation, <laughs> you know, works-based salvation thing. You know, um, tell me honestly that you see no value in assessing yourself and trying to improve. You know, uh, history just wouldn't be what it is without journals. You know, I, I know I said earlier that your journal will probably never be read, but maybe it will be, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe your journal will be the only one that survives the, uh, you know, the end of the world next year. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I recently read a book about the Revolutionary War, and uh, I was amazed at how, uh, you know, so much of it was just stitched together by journal entries. And, you know, other things. I mean, there's other surviving documents that weren't journals, but, you know, we have the journals of congressmen and various soldiers from battle and, and even some of the redcoats. I was surprised that the redcoats were literate enough to even write, but they, they did all right, you know? I don't know how you write with an underbite. I'm still trying to figure that out. But, uh, you know, we have journals from George Templeton Strong and Mary Chestnut that bring to light the realities of civilian life during Civil War, you know? Um, Self-exploration, you know, later on in history becomes a little bit more prevalent in journal keeping. Um, you know, great people, and again, I don't mean great in a moral sense, I just mean great in the sense of the stature of who they are, uh, you know, great people have kept journals throughout history, um, and they, they all kept them in very different ways. And that's one point I'm trying to make today is to show you that it's not lame. Whatever your preconceptions of journaling is, it's not that. Uh, another thing I'm trying to convince you of is that you can do it any way you want. You know, it, it's not this rigid, structured thing uh, where you'd have to do it a certain way. You know, it, you could do whatever works for you. So 
John D. Rockefeller kept a, a journal that he referred to as Ledger A, and in it he detailed every single one of his expenses. And he would, and that sounds boring as heck, right? But he would go back over these notes meticulously, and he would hunt down any discrepancies in them, even if it was just a few pennies. And that's the richest man who ever lived, you know? Uh, he saw the importance of noting things for future reference, going back over them later in order to improve. Um, George Patton, like I already mentioned, kept a, a journal through most of his life, especially during World War II. You can actually buy this and read it in a printed form. But, uh, you know, he kept a journal uh, more aligned uh, with what we might think of as journaling. And uh, in one entry, he even lamented over the end of the war with Japan. And he stated that he had lost his usefulness to the world. Patton got a little more personal in his journal than you might expect someone like that to do. And, and uh, you know, he said things that he probably wouldn't say out loud or, or around any of the troops that were under his command. And uh, this gave him the opportunity to think through things without compromising people's view of him and remain looking like the man with a plan. You know, Benjamin Franklin was a well-known journaler as well. He used to keep a journal uh, to keep track of uh, how he spent his time. You know, he cared a lot about time management. He had a, a schedule in there for all the things he planned to do on a normal day, and he would note what he actually did and, and made the you know necessary corrections. Uh, he, he understood that time is a precious resource. We should give as much attention to our spending of it as we do our, our finances, and I think more so. Uh, he questioned the value of how he was spending his time, which is a very important thing to do. And he started each day by writing, what good shall I do today? And he ended each day by writing, what good have I done today? You know, so he liked to think about what he wanted to do, and he liked to think about what he actually did, see what corrections he could make, you know? He didn't journal the way a lot of people do today, where they just kind of give endless positive affirmations to themselves. Um, you know, he actually kept an account of his moral failings. He did this in order to assess his failures and learn from them so that he could avoid them in the future. Now, we all know Franklin wasn't a Christian man, but uh, I can't see the downside of a Christian assessing their sins in order to, you know, try to avoid them in the future. You know, I would only add that a lot of prayer should be added to that, asking God for the grace to do it. Uh, Thomas Edison kept over 3,000 journals in his lifetime, and he was a very productive man. Uh, but his journals weren't just about work. You know, he thought through things. And I believe many of the famous quotes attributed to him actually come from his journals, like the one about the 10,000 ways not to invent a light bulb. And he also drew pictures and even uh, recorded how he spent his leisure time. Uh, you know, Winston Churchill and Ernest Hemingway were both avid journalers. You know, so this is something that a, a lot of what you might call great men have done throughout all history. Um, I, I have a friend who's been uh, dealing with extreme anxiety lately. And I, I didn't, you know, pitch journaling to him as like this cure-all, but I, I did tell him he should probably keep a journal and that it might help. And, you know, this is a guy who uh, thinks deeply about things and getting those thoughts out on paper would probably be a lot better than letting them, you know, swim around in his head uh, until he comes undone, you know, but he basically told me it was gay and moved on with his life. And that's fine. It's not a cult. You 
It is for some people, but it's not for me. I, I myself am a non-denominational journaler, <laughs> but it's uh, it's not a cult. Like, I have to keep pushing you to do it, even if you don't want to. I, I just want to tell you that it's an enormously helpful tool that you can choose to use or not use, and you could use it in so many different ways. You can do whatever you want. That's the thing about journaling. I'm going to talk a little bit about what I do, um, just to give you ideas to get you started. Uh, if you, you know, don't journal already, if you do, it's probably still interesting. I like to listen to how other people journal, but, you know, to just say you don't like it is uh, kind of like saying you don't like Netflix. <laughs> well, it's like, surely there's something on there for you. You can't, you can't just say you hate movies. You just need to find the right kind of movie that works for you. You know, I used to keep two composition notebooks in high school, one for journaling, one for songs. But now I keep everything in one place. I, I find a lot of value in having all sorts of different things in one notebook. Um, just anything you can think of. Um, my one journal might have songs. might have task lists. It might have uh, thoughts for the day. It might have quotes, uh, ideas for upcoming podcasts. There might be a diagram of uh, my living room so that I can figure out how to place the furniture in a more convenient way, you know, true story, that's in one of my notebooks. Um, you know, the important thing is to get whatever is in your head onto the page so you can step back and assess it, and at times, getting those things out of your head onto your page helps you focus more on something else in the moment, you know. A, uh, a group of guys from my church and I are going through Proverbs together and uh, reading about Wisdom has really urged me to think more deeply about my actions and my thought process. You know, if, if God cares about every idle word that we speak, which he tells us will be judged on the last day, then surely he cares about what we do and how we think. So in an effort to conform my thinking to the way that God wants, I've been incorporating things into my journaling every day that will challenge the way that I think and I act and also encourage better thought and action in the future. And again, I'm not doing that in like a self-improvement way. I'm just writing these things down and assessing where I fall short of God's perfect standards and uh, praying that he would conform me to the image of Christ. You know, speaking of, I also write prayers down on the page. You know, there's nothing wrong with slowly, thoughtfully writing out what exactly you're asking for in prayer. And it also helps you to see that, you know, maybe you spend a little too much time in prayer asking for things and not enough time exalting God. And that can form your habit of prayer elsewhere. Like next time you, you're asked to uh, pray out loud in a group setting, you might just naturally spend a little more time exalting God and thanking him. Not so much time asking for things because you're forming that habit alone in your journal. So at the end of every day, uh, this is what I do at the end of the day. Uh, I'll talk about some other stuff that I do throughout the day, but this is this is how I end my day. I, I write what was good and why. And this forces me to think over all the ways God has blessed me, helps me to maintain a grateful disposition of thanksgiving. And uh, the why part is important. You have to list why because it gets you to think about why you love the things you love. Why did I like having two hours of downtime? Is it because I'm lazy? Or is it because I use that time to reflect? You know, it's important to know why you liked the things you liked. 
And then I ask, what was bad and why? And this gives me the opportunity to step back and see what I deem to be bad things, even if oftentimes they weren't all that bad, you know, and it, and it can show me that. And it shows me that the bad list is usually way shorter than the good list of things that happen to me. And God's blessings often outweigh what I think are bad things. But the why part here is even more important to the bad things than it is for the good things, because when I'm forced to answer why I considered certain things to be bad or negative, it shows me if I'm thinking rightly about those things. Sometimes it shows me if I have a sinful thought process about those things. You know, like, why was it bad that I woke up at 8 instead of 545? Because I'm better than that? Because I'm too good or too important to sleep in? Because God won't love me if I don't get up early and be more productive? You know, see, I would never say any of those things. But simply asking the question causes me to see where I'm failing in my thought process and then realign it with a more biblical one. Sleeping in was bad because time is a precious resource given to us by God. Sleeping in was bad because I didn't use my time well, and I want to use my time well. You know, it displayed a lack of discipline. Uh, sleeping in was bad because I could have been reading my Bible or praying. You know, it was a misuse of my time given to me by God. See how much better it is to think through these things and have thoughts like that rather than thoughts that glorify this ideal of myself in my head that doesn't actually exist. And that, for the record, was just an example. Like, I don't actually uh, think of myself that way when I, when I wake up late. I don't think I'm, like, too good <laughs> to do that. I was just trying to think of some way to frame it for you. Um, you know, but I, I also recognize that God sometimes, in his providence, gives you rest. You know, I was, I was sick over the weekend, and I slept in every day. Uh, God knew that I needed rest that I'd been, you know, sleeping for four hours a night and working, you know, and trying to get a bunch of things done, and he knew I needed the rest, and he made me take it, you know? And that's another thing you could talk about in that reflection time is, like, well, you know, I, I kind of thought it was a bad thing that I slept in, but God kind of forced me to do that, so here's how I'll think through that, you know? So, uh, you know, seeing a list of all the bad, quote-unquote, things that happened to you that day, you know, also gives you a chance to assess what was your fault, what was completely out of your control, submit to the sovereignty of God in those things, you know. Um, I end this time by asking, what will be better tomorrow? And this sets my mind to righting wrongs, planning to spend my time better, trying to think about things differently, you know, change my thought process, you know, was the way I, tr I was treated perhaps deserved in some way, you know? And if it wasn't, does it cause me to pay more attention or to be more careful in the future? And affecting your thought process, you know, when you have time to think through these things, when you have time to really plan out your day or really think through why you think about certain things the way that you do, um, you know, there, there is this sense in which journaling affects your mindset. Um, and it's not like a law of attraction thing where the more you think it, you'll like manifest it in life. It's just more along the lines of, of like what you fill your, your head with kind of tends to affect how you live. That's, that's why you want to fill up as much journaling time as possible with your Bible as, as well as your whole day. You, you know, you want to fill up as much time as you can with your Bible because it affects your thinking and your acting and, you know, it, it reveals God to you. 
journaling is immensely helpful for your Bible study, you know? Uh, write out portions of scripture word for word on the page. It'll cause you to slow down and really see everything that's being said. You know, I can't, I can't even describe to you how much more I've gotten out of my Bible reading when I sit and write down word for word certain verses or passages or chapters sometimes. You know, you can jot down your observations, ask questions. You know, this gives you a reference of what you actually have to learn about the passage you're studying. Then you can go searching for those answers and then come back and write them down. And if you forget, which I often do, uh, you know, every time I read through the Gospels, I have the same questions every time. I think, like, how many times have I looked up this question? Uh, you know, I keep forgetting it. You can go back to the page and uh, use it as a reference, and you can just quickly relearn the things that you forgot. You know, I also take notes at uh, church on Sunday mornings. Um, that's been a habit of mine um, since at least I started going to King's Cross um, in 2017. Um, you know, here's the secret to great note-taking. I wasn't going to do this, but, um, I think if you don't, you know, take notes or don't journal or whatever, I think this'll, this'll be interesting. Um, it's called the Cornell Method. That's, uh, that's how I take notes on things. Uh, don't use it for regular journaling, but if I'm taking notes on a specific thing, this is what I use. Um, so you're gonna, you're gonna draw a horizontal line, about four lines from the bottom of your page. Assuming that your notebook has lines, it's the same deal if it's graphs or dots or whatever. Um, so you're going to make uh, maybe two inches from the bottom. It's about four lines. Um, I hope you're able to visualize this. And then you're going to draw a vertical line, about four dots or boxes or, you know, whatever, uh, from the left of the page. Um, so you're going to have kind of a small vertical column to your left and a small horizontal section at the bottom. And now the rest of the page is where you're going to take your notes. That's going to be the main part of the page. Most of the page is empty. And uh, that's where you're going to do, um, you're going to take your notes. You're going to use the left column for any questions that might not be answered by the thing you're taking notes on. In my case, the sermon. Uh, if you have unanswered questions, write them in the left-hand column. And uh, then you can go and go do research in the future. Uh, then at the end, you're going to um, try to summarize the entire sermon in one or two sentences and write it at the bottom section of the page. Um, because not only is this a test of how well you've been paying attention, <laughs> it also forces you to think over everything you just heard. You know, if you had to summarize a 45-minute sermon, you are going to think over everything in those notes and figure out, what's the most important information, how do you summarize it, it just gets you to think about these things more deeply. If you're a visual learner, and everything I just said is useless, I'm going to link to some things in the show notes that will show you what I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, so Sunday afternoon, I can go over those notes, and uh, after I get home, you know, and look up things that I wrote down in the left-hand column, and just kind of reflect on, on the thing as a whole. I try to draw a picture in any leftover space, you know, a little sketch of something, because uh, it helps, you know, kind of work a different part of your brain and uh, gets you to kind of take a step back from the notes for a minute and kind of, you know, just listen more. Um, you know, I'm not a good drawer, never have been. It's all the more reason to do it. Force yourself to do things you're not good at. 
Uh, and if you still have some leftover space, then take like an important quote from the sermon or something or, or you know, anything and, and just write it bigger and draw like a cool box around it or something, you know, just use up that space, uh, figure out a way to get your brain thinking about, uh, you know, about this on, on different levels. So if you don't keep a journal, then by this point, uh, you've been exposed to a lot of ways you could be using one. Um, but you, you aren't yet, you know. Uh, if you want to get started, I recommend one with a dot grid. Uh, the Lecturm 1917 from Experience has been really good. Moleskin has a lot of good ones. Um, you can even use the old composition notebook like I used to do. I'm, I'm still a fan of that, for the record. Uh, the beauty of it is that you don't have to actually do it exactly like anyone else, you know? I just wanted to give you some tips uh, that I find most helpful to get you started, you know? Or maybe uh, you're already journaling and you were looking for some new things to do to switch it up, you know? But either way, uh, you don't have to use anything I mentioned. This is just to get you headed in the right direction. Doesn't really matter what you write on or how you write it. Just matters that you do. I'm a fan of journaling, and I think that there's something useful about it for everyone, so you just need to figure out what helps you and what, uh, what is a use to you. So I think that's it. Kind of a quick one this week. Yeah, kind of not. I don't know. I uh, thought it was going to be quick. I guess I had more to say than I thought. Um, if you have any journaling tips that you find helpful uh, that I didn't mention, then why don't you shoot me an email at contact at deathofdeath.net. I will read them on the show next week. Um, shared a few of my, you know, favorite ways of journaling, um, you know, note-taking and daily reflection and all that stuff, uh, Bible study tips. You know, if you've got something to add to that, I, I sure want to help people out. It might be a help to me, <laughs> but then I'd also like to share it on the show and, and get more people thinking about it. So uh, I think I'm also going to link to a few episodes of Doctrine and Devotion, because I know those guys, uh, Jimmy Fowler and Joe Thorne, have uh, talked about journaling on at least three or four different episodes of their podcast, and they always have cool things to say. So I'm going to link to them, along with some other things that will help you along with what I talked about today. And uh, that's it, guys. I just uh, hope you got something out of this. So uh, that's it. Go buy some merch. Send me an email. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. All right. Take it easy, guys. I'll talk to you next week.